Hi, this is Gary York, founder of GGG Give God Glory. For the past eight years, my wife Gail and I have been hosting a tent revival meeting in Waterman, Illinois, where the body of believers can come and encounter the presence of God and are encouraged to go out and minister to the world around them. We hope you enjoy this message from our recent gathering. For more information on GGG or to connect with us, please visit our website at gggministry.com. Now sit back and enjoy this short message. God has not called us to give a witness or to give a testimony. He called us to be a witness. It's a being. And out of the being comes the doing. I think that is fundamental for evangelism, for soul winning. It is not what we do. It is not an event. It is a lifestyle. It is not I'm going on an outreach. No, you are a billboard 24-7, beaming out the message of Christ. And so when I think of them, I'm coming back to that. I was just spoken to Gary as we drove back from the airport. I said, I'm thinking back of the journey we started and where they are and how they have just stewarded the grace of God and stewarded um, the love of God and stewarded the word of God. And just with such, such, such meticulous precision, nothing taken for granted. This is what God says. I think we need to change the way we've done this. In fact, the fact that we are sitting here today flows out of that process. That she went back to, okay, these are all the prophecies God gave concerning us. Paul writes in 1 Timothy, he writes in Timothy, he says, he says, I remind you of the prophecies that were given to you by the laying of hands. He says, and he says, fight the good fight of faith with the prophecies that God gave concerning your life. Meaning the fight that you are in, in the big fight. You fight the Lord's battle. Let me say this to you before we get into this. What we call I'm in a battle, you are never in a personal battle. You're never in a personal battle once you become a Christian. The battle you fight is always the Lord's. And it's not, oh, I have a battle, and I'm giving the battle to the Lord so it becomes his battle. No, it is his battle to begin with. It has never been your battle. You are being fought. Because of the part of God that you carry on the inside of you. Satan is after you because you carry a part of Jesus inside of you that he wants to destroy. If you don't come into your destiny, part of the inheritance of Jesus will not be fulfilled. Psalm 2 says, ask of me and I will give the nations to you as an inheritance. Hebrews later quotes that. So that, you again ask, what is this got to do with soul winning? Everything. Hebrews, he quotes that. He says, today I begotten you, have not said, ask of me, and I will give the nations to you as your inheritance. 
So what we are gathering here today is we are going after the inheritance of Jesus. We are saying, Lord, I am available to be a womb through which you can birth salvation in the earth. So that you can get your inheritance, the reward for the suffering of your soul. I don't think it's coincidence that we are here over Easter weekend. Right now, I was saying to someone yesterday, I, was, I said, I wonder when we walk off that platform and we declare over, over that city salvation. I said to him, I wonder about this time, the crucifixion took place. I said, I wonder when Jesus said, let's not eat his finished, what happened? I said, we so easily wake up in the morning and say, oh, this is the day that the Lord has made. But I think scripture says specifically, this is the day that the Lord has made, speaking of that day. The day that he made to bring his inheritance into the earth. I'm just speaking, this is introduction, I'm still with Gail then, just in case you want more. So the battle is the Lord's. That battle started in the heavens when Satan tried to overthrow God. He brought it into the earth realm. He duplicated exactly what happened in the heavens, but this time he would try with God's creation. And so that was a continuation of the battle. And that battle will end one day, according to Revelation, the battle of Armageddon. And then finally he's going to destroy Satan with the sword of the spirit, the word that comes out of his mouth. And finally the kingdoms of God. And become the kingdoms of our Christ. And he will, we know how the story is going to end. But in the fighting. In the going after. They have taken. What is prophecies. And it's just turned that into warfare. Fighting the fight of faith. With what God spoke. And by doing that. She's actually, they actually now created a, a womb for God's kingdom to further be advanced. This is based, what we are seeing here today is based on God said. This is what he's going to do through us. Do you want to quickly share about that? Because I think it's good. I started going back through all the testimonies that I first started with going through my personal ones and then I started focusing more on the ones that came for GGG and as I started going through them um, this particular week I was going through them and it was talking about it becoming you know more than just a, uh, it was becoming a war zone I mean not a war zone um, what was it called whatever War room, thank you. Um, but also that week, um, I had been out with two ladies, and one of them spoke about how in Yorkville, um, there was a ladies group on Facebook, and um, they were talking about things, and then they were talking about how there are witches, and they decided they were going to get their own Facebook page and talk about witch stuff. And um, I thought, 
Wow. There's a bunch of witches right there in Yorkville coming against the things of God. And what God brought to my mind then was a prophetic word that Gary and I had received for our area that we are to guard it against witchcraft. <clears throat> that was part of what he's called us to do. You want to grab Enza? She's in here. Um, he's called us to guard this area against witchcraft. Um, and then evangelism training came to my mind that we need to, you know, be bringing, bringing the training for people to be out there evangelizing in our area to come against the witchcraft and bring salvation. So then that's when I had called Solomon. And, uh, that's so powerful. Um, but just the different words were coming to my mind. And, and this was all in a one week time frame wow. that the things were hitting me like that. Now imagine you do that with your life. And you do that with your family. So he says, Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, illuminating where I must take the next step. Yes. Your prophetic word, your word, the word of God, the Logos, but the Logos turned into Raven, illuminates my path. It is not a floodlight that you can see everything, but it illuminates the next step. Thy word, the prophetic word, answer, um, is a lamp unto my feet. So Many times the things that we are asking God for to answer, he may have already answered us. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's included in all these prophetic words that God has given us. And so when we steward that well, and I'm speaking again from the point of departure where I said evangelism is not an event. It is a lifestyle. It is the way I live. It is the way I think. It is the way I present myself. It is wherever I go. I sat to a guy, next to a guy coming flying here. And I was just talking and talking. But I was biding the time to know, you know, directing this conversation. Where it's going to go. Well, perhaps that he's a believer. He just came out of prison. He went down to um, New Orleans for some work stuff. He just came out of prison a couple of months ago. But he found Jesus there. He was so blessed. The point is just, you, you have to be on your father's business. Mm -hmm. And once you steward like that, your life will collide with destiny. And with God opportunities and God moments that you can seize. And who knows where God can take you. The sky is not And so I want to commend them. And that's, again, a point of departure. There's Tiffany, and, and she is their daughter, but she objectively can, can testify, right, mm -hmm. to all of this. And not only, now watch this, inheritance, right? A good man leaves an inheritance, not for his children, for his children's children. What greater inheritance, a greater legacy that they are imparting more than silver and gold to these grandchildren. It's a legacy that nobody can take from them. 
Malachi says the purpose why God created man is he wanted a godly offspring. <coughs> Coming back to the original purpose. Ask of me, I will give you the nations as your inheritance. So I want to, by extension from there, commend you for being here. This is not a small thing. What we are what we are talking about now there today is not going to remain between the two pages of your journal. I believe the Lord is going to write it on the tables of our hearts and our minds. That we can really be witnesses and really see the kingdom of God come. I wanted to touch something. This is again introduction and going to what you want to do today. Um the importance of who you are and what you carry um, cannot be overemphasized. Who you are and what God has set inside of you, number one, the Holy Spirit, but what the part of God that you represent, the part of the body of Jesus that you represent in the earth. The impact of that, you have to understand. And I want to just talk about that in the context of regional impact, geographical impact, by way of this example. There was a man with a name uh, from the Gadarenes that Jesus went over. Remember, he said, let us go over to the other side. And he said, let's go and set him free. He didn't say that to Simon, but that was the intent. The Bible says the moment, there was only one person there. When Jesus said that, all of hell broke loose. Because on the other side, there was a man that was Satan's trophy. He had 6,000 devils inside of him. Legion. 6,000 demons. And Jesus says, let's cross over to the other side. When he gave that command, all hell knew, whoa, our strategic asset is in danger. We're going to lose territory. So what happened? He caused a storm. Threatening to take the disciples out. I want to show you again out of that. That the battle that you're fighting is the Lord's. So things will hit your life. You will encounter things and you would think, oh, I'm in the will of God, I'm out of the will of God. What have I done? What have I said? You know, in the meantime, you, your mission, your life in motion, and you are a prophecy in motion. Because you are taking hold of that which God has taken you hold of for. You are the manifestation of warfare. You are warfare. So he said, mm-hmm. before you take him out, I'm going to kill you. To know that that was demonic when Jesus, that storm was demonic, when Jesus stood up in that boat, he rebuked, the Bible says, the storm, the same word that he used to rebuke devils. Mm-hmm. So eventually they get there. Devils cry out, hey, have you come to torment us before our time? Let's not go into that one. But when Jesus identifies, he says, who are you? He says, legion 6,000 devils. This is what they ask. 
they, they beg him that Jesus, that he would not send them out of the area. He said, we as 6,000 devils have got a territorial assignment here. Send us into the pigs, but don't get us out of this area. And we need a body in order to have physical presence in the earth. So send us to the pigs. The pigs have more sense than people. They said, no way, not for a second. We'd rather kill ourselves. Now for you to be me. Mm-hmm. 2,000 pigs. Three apiece. Rushed down the cliff and committed suicide. What am I saying to you? The demonic activity. Whatever Satan had going in that region. Was because evil spirits. Had a physical presence there. By way of possessing the man. And their assignment could only be done in that area. Whether it was suicide, whether it was pornography, whatever it was, was we needed a physical presence to be able to exercise the influence of hell in this region. Now watch this. Pigs commit suicide. Devils are going, I don't know where, to Cuba, where, you know? (laughs) Watch this. The entire village comes out. And this is what the Bible says. They beg Jesus to leave the area. Why? Because the converse of what I said is also true. The spirit that was in Jesus was a threat to the kingdom of darkness. He said, the fact that you are physically here Mm-hmm. is causing ructions, is upsetting our plan and our assignment. Leave. You talk about witchcraft in, 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 in Yorkville or witchcraft wherever. Let's go after those devils and cast them out in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. And let's get the Spirit of God inside of people because our physical presence is warfare. Mm-hmm. Our physical presence brings the heaven into the earth. Our physical presence puts a staying order on the deeds of hell. That is what we are about. It's not, oh, we're going to go on a little vision trip or go do a little, you know, we can have some photos that we can post on Facebook. Hey, you want to post the Lord? Oh, like, 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 like. You're shifting atmospheres. Deciding destinies of individuals, of families, of regions. By you being in position and praying the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it Start getting a healthy appetite for war. We pass this way once and then after we lie dead physically, where it can every time. But then that's done. Labor's come to an end. I want to go up with a bang with the kingdom. 
Savior Jesus, here is the reward for the suffering of your soul. How about you? Are you not just tired of going to a building and sitting on a chair and calling a church? <laughs> we have to redefine what that is. Ecclesia means called out ones. And perhaps it has to be redefined, and perhaps COVID redefined it for us. Because it just kicked us out of the building. And made us aware that you don't go to church. You are the church. Amen. I know it's difficult to take notes with me. I, I get that. <laughs> I have a desire to sing for notes. <clears throat> I'll just talk. That for me, I felt, is the introduction to what we are about. This is special forces. This is the art of war. This is being, and perhaps all of you might be fire evangelists. I don't know who I'm talking to. You know, you might be doing that. If you do that, I brought some gasoline to dump on your fire that you would even burn brighter. Amen. <coughs> don't underestimate the power of one. And speaking to the one you don't know who you are speaking to could be at a cash register in Walmart could be a waitress that's still studying or a waiter that is waiting for destiny Lord God I, I don't know what I'm, I'm, I'm waiting and I don't know what why I was born and you come and you show up and you talk talking about Jesus and it's revolution I say in fact that is what happened to the guy that is in Zimbabwe right now. You, did you meet, meet Ed, Edwin when you were in South Africa? I think you did. Edwin runs Go Missions in Zimbabwe. I met him as a waiter in the spur. I said, bro, I want to talk to you. And he started to go on missions and led thousands of people to the Lord. And I was for four, 12 months. I said, I've said you must go back to your country and go do what you've been taught here. We will support you financially every month. And they've led hundreds of thousands to the Lord. Public schools, these thousands of people to the Lord every day. So He's he, he was one of those. And he found his calling. So that is where we're at today. So praise Jesus. Um, now that I've interrupted myself, let's go back to where we're going. I have already just came out. Um, I think that introduction, I think, is good for perspective. And that is how I want to approach the subject of evangelism. Um, as opposed to just methodology. As opposed to just the how. So I look at the why. The what and the how. I think if we get the why, the why is the reason, is the motive and the motivation. That is what I want to talk about this morning. Because if we have a big why, the how will be automatic. The what will be. If I have a big why to do anything, because that is all that I need. I will find a way. 
You've seen people who are touched by the love of God. Now I want to talk about that in terms of the testament. People who have encountered Jesus and said, once I was blind, but now I can see. I was looking for love and I found him who doesn't give love, who is love. You can't stop those guys. Talk about a tough life. This guy is like a burning inferno. <clears throat> Why? Because he encountered Jesus. Rough around the edges for sure. But he had an encounter with Jesus. And so he shares that. So the why is important. So let's pray and then we're going to go into that. Please. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for just um, your word that hasn't returned void. But it accomplishes that for which you send it out. Your word is a lamp at our feet, a light unto our path. Your word, according to Hebrews 4.12, is alive and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces through the division of soul and spirit. And that is why I pray today that there will be a clear dividing between what is soulish and what is spirit. Your word is not soul, your word is spirit. And it is life. It transforms the soul. But the revelation, the understanding, the light comes on in the spirit. I pray, Lord, that we will be so infused and so empowered with who you are and what you've come to do. Especially over this significant time that we're in right now. As we remember you and the sacrifice that you've given. And that we can go out to be representatives. That people either will turn or they will burn. Like they would say leave our town. Or they would say we are so glad that you came. Because you came. Our lives have been changed. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. And so I want to talk today about the why of evangelism. The why of evangelism. What is, why do we do what we do? Why do you evangelize? Is it because our church has got a goal to grow, to double in size? And so we go and evangelize so that we can get the quota? Is it because I saw it's a good, cool thing? I saw this video, I saw this thing. Why do I do that? And I think it's important to understand evangelism from God's perspective. In fact, I want to make this statement. Unless his why becomes your why, we will not have the true motivation. And what is his why? It's so simple. It's John 3.60. For God so loved the world that he gave his own begotten son that whosoever who believe in him would not perish. I'll have eternal life. The greatest and the only motivation 
for so many is love. Love is not what God does. Love is who he is. And so it is his being. It is expressed in his doing, but it is his being. So if God is in me, and God is love, love is not what I do. It's not, it's more than an action. It's more than words. It's more than a chore. It's more than a ministry. It's more than a service. It is who I am. I am love. And so we have to be baptized. We have to be immersed. Our heart has to receive that motivation. And the only way we can do that, that impartation, we have received in Romans 5 says that God has poured out his, his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So we have that love. But to walk in that love, to give expression to that love, is different. And that's going to take our will. That's going to take our cooperation. Now, love in action is called compassion. It is only when I have, if I'm moved with compassion, it is when love gets feet. It is when love is mobilized. I can say, I love you, I love the world, I love you, Jesus. But it's only when love is set ablaze, which means compassion. It's, it is love fueled by passion that it becomes compassion that moves us into action. That's, that's, that is what, when true love is, when love is fulfilled, when love is completed. Because love without obedience isn't love. The true expression of love the true manifestation of love is obedience. That is the fruit of love. So, the why of evangelism is love for God. First of all, I love Him and I want to please Him and my love for Him is expressed through my obedience. Let's go to John 15. If you have a Bible, just turn there and let's read it, please. As I reread, um, let's just read the entire, the entire chapter, uh, John 15. Whoever has it, just go, please. What's the chapter? 15? John 15, 1, 5. Oh, okay. 
through five? Uh, the whole one. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Someone else can read. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no other than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that, you're lo that you love one another. <clears throat> if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Amen. So the the things that I want to want to want to glean out of that is the abiding, you know, the being, not the not the doing part. It's the, the being first. Uh, the second is that he says he likens love for God to obedience. And that is so, so, so crucial to understand that the way I express love is I express it through obedience. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 2 and 3. 1 John chapter 5, verse 2 and 3. 
and it's uh, the same thing being said in a different way. First, yeah, First John chapter five. Verse three and four. Not this is the letter, not the not the gospel. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And so right there he says again. What I just want you to understand is the way God sees love for him, it is manifested in obedience. I cannot say I love God and it's a mushy thing. I love you, Lord, and I put it in the song. That's part of it. But the way God sees love, the way expression of our love to him is done, is through our obedience. So if our motivation is love, then the expression of that love, the expression of that motivation is to obey. Let's go to another scripture. Matthew chapter 22 verse 37. In fact, let's let's go to let's go to, to Luke ten twenty seven. I apologize. That's that's as the complete the complete um, verse in that one. Luke ten twenty seven. So he answered and said, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself." Those are the two greatest commandments. And so the expression of that love for God is to obey Him. And the expression of our love for our neighbor is also in our obedience to God. Now I'd like us to, to, to consider this. Because this is the motivation of God. Before there was an Adam. In fact, before there was a world, God already was moved by love for this race that has not even been created. And I want you to understand that when you and I evangelize the motivation for doing that originates from the original intent that was in the heart of God that moved God to bring about salvation to begin with do you understand what I'm saying evangelism started before there was a human race 
the idea of God redeeming, the idea of God buying back, of saving, of delivering, of healing, of restoring, of reconciling, was in the heart of God, was his motive and motivation before he even created the human race. Why is that important? Because it speaks about the greatness of God's love. It shows you that when you go after a soul, nothing that you and I or that person have done, that sinner, that rapist, that murderer, that drug addict, can make them deserve what we are bringing to them. This invitation to receive the love of God is not predicated on what they do or what they have not done. The why, for why I'm out to the streets, the why we speaking to people originated way before time began. You need to understand this, we are part of such a great scheme. Paul calls it the great salvation that started in the mind and the heart of God before he even laid the foundations. Paul puts it another way, he says, while we were yet dead in our sins and transgressions, Christ died for us. I'm speaking into this. Can we deserve this love? Can the sinner that we're going after ever deserve this love? Are, are they so far gone that they cannot be redeemed? No, sir, no man. Because nothing that you and I or the world could ever do can make us deserve this love. This motivation that John 3.16 for God so loved the world started before there was a race, before a human being. And it was solely, solely birthed out of the goodness of who he is. The Bible calls it his mercy and his grace. In fact, he is more extravagant. He says the riches of the mercy and the grace of God. So I want to take you back there. Because if you understand what was in the heart and the mind of God. When he decided. Before time again, when this race that I create in my image rebels against me, I can either incinerate them, I can send them to hell, or I can say, because he foreknew that. That's why Romans 8 says, people talk about predestination, and they say, oh, well, if God destined me for hell, what can I do, you know? But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say we'll be predestined. It says those who be for new, he predestined. That's right. I want you to understand the perspective of evangelism is not an earthly perspective. It is an intergalactic, it's a universal, it's a heavenly perspective. What do you do with this when you read in Ephesians? That you were chosen in him before the foundations of the earth. What do you do with that? You were adopted in Christ before the foundation. What do you do with that? That's how we're going to walk up to a person. 
Is he part of your inheritance? Is he or she part of the one that you adopted before the foundation of the earth and they just don't know it? Do you understand when I say the why and the perspective of it as opposed to, oh, he's just getting out of track. Jesus loves you. Bring them in into the riches and the depth and the profundity of this love that moved a God to become a man. The ocean trapped in a drop. And that does not even begin to explain the vastness of the Creator because He lives outside of time, He lives outside of space. In the beginning was God. He just is and then He creates. And all of that, who cannot be defined, traps Himself in a human body because He has this one thing that's raging in His veins. It is the love. So let's talk about the why. Before the earth was formed and the foundations being laid, this is what God says. Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. Does that make sense to you? Does it make sense to me? But he did that. I want you to understand, evangelism was not birthed by a board, a missions board, or a church coming together and saying, hey, we must do an outreach. It was birthed by God, by this amazing, amazing love that he had. So watch this. He foresaw into the future that Adam and Eve was going to make the wrong choice. And he said, I can either kill you because the wages of sin is death. But I will choose to have mercy on you to show you my love. My love motivates me. And I will make provision for your sin before there is even a problem. So he created the solution. He gave Jesus the Lamb of God before the foundations of the world he put it in place because he foreknew in the future man is going to rebel he said the way I'm going to deal with your rebellion the way I'm going to judge you I'm going to judge you but I'm going to judge you to be worthy of my love I'm going to judge you to be worthy of my forgiveness I'm going to judge you to be worthy of the my life God stripping himself of his glory and taking on human flesh. And what moves me to do that, instead of showing you my judgment, I'm going to show you my love or my mercy, my love expressed through my mercy. Because later he says, judgment triumphs over, over mercy. I mean, sorry, mercy triumphs over judgment. I know it's difficult to write this down. Just get it into your spirit. You follow me? I'm with a why. And so what I'm, say- what I'm saying to you is, let's take this, the revelation of, of us being souls, of us being evangelists, 
We take it right from the place of the origin, which is the heart of God. That this thing started. His vision for evangelism. His vision to win back a lost world. His vision to regenerate dead men and dead women and dead boys and dead girls, dead in their sin, started before time began. And his motive and motivation was life. And he went the distance to put this together. When he had the board meeting with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, he said, we're going to have this being called man that we're going to create in our own image. They're going to reflect us. They're going to look like us. They're going to be an expression of us in the earth. We're going to check the heaven and we're going to recreate it on the earth. Just that there's a problem. We foresee that they're going to turn their backs against us. They're going to walk away from us. What are we going to do? I've got to kill them. I've got to give expression to my justice. The wages of sin is death. That's why when we go out and we speak to people, they have to understand that. Sin has to be punished. Because God is just. They have to understand it. God said, what are we going to do? This being who will create, who will reflect us in the earth, is going to turn away from us and darkness will come on the inside. Their spirit will die and they will have a house, but the house will be empty. The body will walk around, but there's nobody home. What are we going to do? God said, I have to judge them. So I have to judge them. They've got to die. And Jesus stood up in that meeting. He said, what if, Father, what if we can find a substitute that can die in your place? Can you save them? Can you let them go? Because your justice will be reconciled with your mercy. You've judged the sin. And you judge them by way of judging the substitute. God said, where can we find a substitute? Jesus said, I will come. I will be the lamb. I will be slain from the foundation of the earth. That is the story of the good news. And we are mine. First time God expresses Remember now, all of this just took place in heaven. There was none of this Jesus slain from the foundation of the earth. This was all spirit talk. You need to understand this. This existed in the realm of the spirit. Nothing was in the earth realm. First the heavens he created, then the earth. Then Adam and Eve is formed and heaven comes into earth. And all of a sudden, walking in the garden, it's the little gods, sons, offspring of the Most High. And there's a reflection of heaven on earth. And then this cataclysm happens that God foresaw. But he made provision. I'm talking to you about the wild evangelism. In the spirit, Jesus is the lamb that was slain. 
Now he takes that reality and has to bring it into the dimension of the earth. And it's set on God's calendar for a specific time over this three days that we're celebrating. But before it literally happens, he says, I have to put up a billboard in the earth to advertise coming attractions. How am I going to do that? I'm going to do it by an altar. I'm showing you when we communicate the love of God to people that they can understand. This is not asking you to join a church. This thing is so much bigger. You've been in the heart of God from eternity. He always had you on his mind. Not just on the cross, before the cross. He said, how are we going to play this thing out that has been established in the heavens? Because Adam and Eve sinned. They are hiding. They are naked. They are afraid. They are ashamed. Sin killed them. Remember, we have the provision. So let's play this out. Let's take that reality and now begin to give a foretaste, a shadow, a picture of what's coming. And he says, okay, I'll put an altar in the garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, I should put both of you on here and I should kill you. Because the wages of sin is death. But because in the spirit, Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. And the way I've worked this out, human race in Genesis, the book of beginnings. I created the lamb before I made the man. So I'm going to take the lamb who represents Jesus. And Adam and Eve, I'm going to take you off the altar because that is where you have to be killed. And he who is the substitute, the truth, the prophecy, the one that's speaking of him who is to come, I'll put him there. And I will kill him. And I'll take the blood. Why blood? Why is God so bloody? Because life is in the blood. When the blood is shown, it means life was given for life. It's not in a tomato, it's not in a zucchini, it's only in the blood. I shared this message with atheists, with professors, with vagrants on the street, with this. They would weep. See, I've never heard this, I've never, I can't even know this. I thought I must be good, I thought I must go to a church, I thought I must stop smoking. Yes, I may be annoying, but I'm not going away. Because this love is a stubborn love. It just won't let go. So Adam and Eve is taken off the altar. And the lamb that was created before them is put on there. And God snaps and the blood flows. And he strips the lamb of its skin. And he says, Adam and Eve. The work of your hands, religion, your attempt to cover your own nakedness is not good enough. It takes a covering that I have to make. 
Where does the covering come from? It comes from the Lamb who is killed, the substitute in your place. I have made provision for your death on the altar. That is where your situation gets altered. At the altar. That is the place of exchange where I give a life for your life. That is when altar sacrifice was introduced in the earth. From there, God put through the mosaic of Abraham. In fact, before that, um, Cain and Abel, two, two altars put there. See how Satan is so devious. Two altars, identical. What's differentiated the one from the other is what was on it. The one had the lamb with the blood. God's provision. Prophesying. Remember, everything on the earth is a reflection. Reality does not exist in the earth. I'm going to make this statement. The spirit realm is the realm of creation. The earthly realm is the realm of manifestation. Nothing of God originates here. It manifests here, but it originates in heaven. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 6, 8, when you pray, pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it already has been established. Nothing of God makes landfall in the earth realm before it has been established in the spirit. Nada. So Jesus had to be the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth in the spirit. You see the truth manifested in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created heaven, earth. That is the order. First the heavens, then the earth. Satan turned it around. First the earth, then the heaven. Mm-hmm. You mess with the order, you will mess with God's, the way he set up earth, the way he set up life in the kingdom. Spirit. They saw Jesus was talking in John 6 about his blood, drink his blood. They didn't know he was talking spirit language, spirit truth. And they walked away from eternal life. They walked away from an encounter because they did not know that reality. You understand? I'm still with the why. And so, there is the land. Work of the hands. Abel has it. Cain brings zucchinis and tomatoes and carrots. That represents he's a farmer, his own labor, his own hard work. And he says to God, like it. God says, I don't understand. And that does not reflect that. It's no reflection. Whatever is done on earth must reflect that. Where is Jesus? There's an altar. But I don't see the lamb. I don't see the blood. Abel? Oh yeah. You are a perfect reflection of Christ the lamb that was slain. Then for thousands of years, altars would be built. And a lamb would be put on it. And the blood applied. The most dramatic expression of that is the exodus the Passover that we that we we now celebrate he said take one lamb 
for every household. Take the blood and pour it on the four lintels of the house. And when the angel of death sees the blood, not if there is a guy who is who once cheated, now he doesn't cheat anymore. He stole, now he doesn't steal. So because he doesn't steal, the angel will pass over. Uh-huh. There can be a thief in the house. When the angel sees the blood, the message that is communicated, you cannot take a life because a substitute was already given. You have to pass over. Is it anything that anybody did that was living in that house? No, it was the evidence of the blood. It is the same message that God is communicating from heaven to earth all this time. So that when you and I go out as ambassadors, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 21, as ambassadors have been given the ministry and the message of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. This is the message we preach. Not, you must stop sinning, you must stop doing, and now you must come to church, and you must start following the Ten Commandments, and then, you know, we have all this stuff that we have given to people, putting burdens on them that they, that we ourselves cannot even lift. All that Jesus, that God said, I need the evidence that a life was given for the life. Where is the blood? Where is the substitute? That's all I need. That is how I'm going to do this deal. To bring people into salvation. To cause dead men to live again. Why am I going there? It's not only the why of salvation. But it's the message of the gospel. If you don't get that right, we preach a false gospel. Paul writes in Galatians. Who has bewitched you? So even if an angel appears from heaven. Preaching a gospel that is different to what I taught you, let it be accursed. Did you receive the spirit? He continues to with Galatians. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by faith? What is faith? It's just to believe that God wants to be good to you. To believe the why. You're telling me you did all of that just because he loves me. Mm-hmm. People think the message of the gospel is too good to be true. That's what the Jews said in John, John 6. They said, Jesus, what must we do uh, to, uh, um, to inherit into the life? And Jesus said, There's no answer. What must we do? He said, You don't understand. Believe. Have faith in the Lamb. In like those two million Jews who exited 400 years of slavery, which is a prophetic picture of the 4,000 years of spiritual slavery, they ate the lamb. The very 
blood and the very thing that would deliver them now became part of them and they carried inside of them deliverance. They carried inside of them salvation. And wherever they would go, the man would be with them. They carried the evidence. Why do we take communion? Why do we take communion? Blood of Jesus is the body of Christ. It is the evidence that we carry in our bodies. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part of me. It's the evidence that we carry on the inside of you that you accuse me. I have the blood. You have to pass on. No, nothing that I have done. This deal, man was not part of it. This was all God. This was all lamb. You were not involved. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. This was a gift. You have to understand the why. And we have to understand the message of the why. We're going to be effective soldiers. I don't think any person. Sometimes I say to people, you must be stupid to, to refuse a deal like this. I'm not talking about not everybody, but like specific guys that understand those things. And it was just like, break up in love and say, you're right. Where do I sign? And ultimately, this land that was prophesied from the Garden of Eden, that word, what was in the spirit, after 4,000 years, came into the earth realm. And this is where it's there, Seraphim. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became. Verse 10 says, when Jesus walks into the earth, he says, Here is the body you have prepared for me. Spirit. Watch this. That's why Isaiah says, Isaiah 9. He says, unto us a child is born. This is the body. And unto us a son is given. Not born. He cannot be born. He cannot be created because he eats. So the son, the everlasting eternal spirit, who, whom he says in that same, he'll be called wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. How many fathers do we have? He would strip himself of his glory and step into this earth spirit. He said, here I am. I have come to do your will. That which is prophesied about me. Lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. I am here to make good on that promise. And when John sees him, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes those away the sins of the world. And that is what we do when we speak to people. We are saying to them, Behold. The Lamb of God. Not behold the church, Presbyterian, Methodist, behold the church of common coming. Now, behold the Lamb of God. It's not that it's going to take your sins away. Here's the truth. Your sins have already been taken. I made the statement since I've seen that movie. I watched the movie in uh, how do we throw it out? It's called Double Jeopardy. And it's a law that exists under your legal system 
and says you cannot punish the sin with natural grace. And I apply that to this. If God found an innocent substitute and made him not, he didn't receive the sin of the world upon him, he became sin. And he said, I'm going to punish you for every rapist, every murderer, every cheat, every addict, every human being that ever lived and walked on this earth and will be born. I'm going to punish you on that cross, on that altar. Not corporately, individually, for every man, every woman, every boy. You will become sin. And for the first time in human history, uh, in eternity, history of eternity, the God that was torn apart, he will knew no separation. I want to tell you about the why of evangelism. He was ripped apart, and for the first time, he who knew eternal fellowship and communion with the Father. God turned his back on his son. Because he cannot behold sin. He cried out, not my father. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He says, remember the deal that we made. That you would take the place. I rejected you so that I can accept God to free your body. And so. I rejected you so that I can accept it. I made you to become sin so that they can become righteous. I send you to hell that I can raise them up to be seated in heavenly places. You became sick so that they can be uh, no sins. Your body was broken so that they can be made whole. So when he points to Jesus, the Lamb of God, that which was spoken of before the foundation of the earth, which was enacted from the God of Eden for 4,000 years, every altar prophesied about Jesus. And then the cross would be the ultimate altar. And no more sacrifice would be needed for the sins of man. No more blood of an animal needs to be shed. On that day, 2,000 years ago, the, the, the type and the shadow, because the lambs had to be gathered at the place of the temple where they had to be inspected and they had to be approved by the high priest. On the tenth day. That moment. The true Lamb of God. Passed the exact spot. Where the temples were gathered. The lambs were kept. The Passover lambs. And the Lamb of God. Locked eyes with the substitute. And I'm sure he looked at him and said. There will be no more need for you. Ever again. Because I the Lamb of God. I don't just cover the sins of the world. I take it. Whenever the enemy wants to come, my blood speaks on their behalf. And so for me, you can see my style in, in presentation is not a class list, take the scripture, point one, point one, five, five. I, I'm not, I can do that if I want to. But, you know, I want to impart to you I believe the heavenly perspective for evangelism. And I don't think I've even begun to scratch the surface. Paul is so overcome, the guy who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, when he gives the epilogue in one um, epistle, he says, Oh, the, 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 the vastness of the love of God. The height, I cannot scale. 
The depth I cannot perceive. The width and the breadth. I cannot encompass it. That is the love. I pray that you will understand. It is love that motivated him. Love is the why. Never lose sight of that. Now, I'm wrapping this up. The love of God, the highest manifestation of the love is in the cross. But now the practical transfer or impartation or giving of that love of all that the cross represents, okay, is given to people through salvation, healing, deliverance. Right? That is how they receive it. How does that take place? It's the power of God that brings the love of God. Power is the ability. So Acts 1, 8, 6. Acts 1, 8. You shall receive power. Or dunamis. Where we get the word dynamite from. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why Holy Spirit? Not Holy Soul or Holy Bible. Holy Spirit. I don't know what's going on here. Everybody's like. Oh. Okay. Holy Spirit. Why Holy Spirit? Because this is a spiritual truth. You need the Holy Spirit to impart spirit truth and spirit realities to your spirit. That's why Romans 8, go and read Romans 8, it talks about that. A spiritual man discerns spiritual things. Mind, eye hasn't seen, mind hasn't, hasn't seen what God has, he hasn't heard what God has prayed, but he has revealed to us by his spirit. So he gives us the spirit that is in God. He placed that same spirit in this tent. And now he can transfer it. Spiritual truth and spiritual realities. What is God, what belongs to God, and transfer it to us. So, the world, the addict, the guy that is possessed, needs this that I just explained, the love of God, that was displayed on the cross. He needs it and she needs it to be displayed in their life. How do I take that love? And bring it, bring them into the experience of the love of God. Through the power of God. And the power is the Holy Spirit. How is that power released? It is released by faith. I want you to go to a scripture very quickly. Uh, am, 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 is this? Am, am I? Am I still? Are you tracking with me, or am I going to? And is this? Is this kind of? I know it's perhaps a little not out there, but it, I mean, are you? Are you? You're receiving. Okay. Let's go to. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Please. And after this, I'm going to close, and then we're just going to have a time of just interaction where we just kind of share and glean what we've received and perspective perhaps that you have. And then um, we're going to take a little break. That is okay. And then we're going to come back, and then we're going to do a practical out. <laughs>
Abigail direct us. Why is this important for me? Because I'm, preach, I'm teaching this from my perspective. 2013, the Lord Jesus appeared to me. And he said to me, you are reading the Bible incorrectly. He said, I want to teach you. And I knew none of this stuff that I'm talking to you right now. I'm a son of a pastor. I preach sermons that I heard people preach. I repeat the stuff that I've learned in, in Bible school. It was not my personal revelation. I just repeat the stuff and I look for it. And I say, that's not even what the Bible says. He said, let me take you to Genesis. And that's where we start. And it really changed my life. It really did. Galatians 5, 6. What does it say, my brother? I'm trying to. Okay, that's fine. Sorry. No, 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 please don't apologize. We're just in the living room, just we're just hanging out. I can't get it to come up. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Faith, another version says, expressing itself through love. Another way of putting it, faith that is motivated. By love. Love is the why. Faith is the how, but love is the why. So we said, we know the love of God. But how is the love of God brought to a drug addict? To someone that's gone, that's broken, that's about to want to commit suicide, that's full of devils. That love is brought to them through the power of God. Which is Acts 1 8, that's Dunamis, the Holy Spirit. How is the power released? It's released by faith. How does mountain get moved? Jesus taught about that, Mark 11. He says, if you have faith like a muscle, in fact, what you know what he says? How that starts in the original? When it says 22, he says, that says uh, our translation says, have faith in God. The original says, have the faith of God. Mm. Believe the way God believes in people. Mm-hmm. When you see a situation that is so wrecked, that is so out of whack, believe the way God believes for them. Hold, I make all things new. Second Corinthians 5, 17. If any man is in Christ, he's a brand new creation. See them through the eyes of love. And if you see them through the eyes of love, you're seeing them through the eyes of God because God is love. So love is the motivation. But in order to take that love to the point of human need, we need power. The only way that something leaves heaven to earth is by faith. Faith, you can write this down, is the currency and the catalyst to release the power of God, to release miracles, to release healing, to release salvation, to release everything from heaven faith without faith it is impossible to please God Hebrews 11 6 for he who comes to him must believe that he is and is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him faith is substance it's not wishy-washy it's there is a substance and that substance comes through the word 
Because Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So when the word comes, faith comes and there is substance. I'm not basing this on a hearsay. This is a word. This is, this is validated. The veracity of what I believe comes from the word that came out of the mouth of God. It is what you have done. And it's what you've been doing all this time. You take a word and you say, I'll put my teeth into it. I will have to take a, a faith like a bulldog terrier. I will latch onto this and I won't let go until I see. What Jeremiah says, he watches over his words before. What Isaiah 55 says, a word is beneath the mouth of God. But like the rain comes from heaven, the snow comes from down from heaven, and moistens the earth and makes the earth bud, gives seed to the soul, bread to the eater, so shall my word be. It does not return for to me, empty to me. That for which I send it. Why? Because I watch over my word. When it leaves my mouth, that word has got an appointment. Mm-hmm. I steward it. I midwife my word. Until the fruit manifests. Mm-hmm. And the word can go back and say, it's done. Mm-hmm. So love is the motivation. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm running ahead of me, but I'm just going to throw this in Luke 24. And Excellent. He said, Don't leave Jerusalem. These are 12 men. Okay, the one was the devil, so leave him out 11 now. They they lived with him 24 7, 365, three years, three and a half. The best Bible school that you could ever have. The best online, like hands on degree that you could ever get from the master teacher himself. One would think that they are best qualified to go and continue the mandate. He said, no. You have no business to leave Jerusalem without the power. The word in Luke 24, 14 says, you will be clothed. The word clothed in the Greek is every, which is the prefix for epidermis skin. He says the Holy Spirit will be so tight with you that it will be like a new skin that you put on. You'll be skinned with the Holy Spirit. You will walk in Him. You'll be clothed with Him. And that power will be the catalyst to release the love. And the love will manifest signs, wonders, miracles. Watch this. Signs, wonders, miracles. Healing, deliverance, salvation. Watch this. We're talking about the why, and that is so important. What did, he, what did we read? I want you to read that again. Watch this. So again, the love of God really brought to man through the power of God, but what releases the power is faith. And what is faith? It's the substance of things hoped for. And you can write this down also. It's the conviction and the persuasion that God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. That is what faith is. You can throw in there for good measure. He's a rewarder. Mm-hmm. He rewards faith. Mm-hmm. That is what faith is. So we bring the motivation, the why, of what God, why God has unfolded all of this grand plan of redemption in the earth realm. The why was love. 
And the love had nothing to do with the human race. You need to understand that when you stand before sinners who are lost and they feel they do not deserve it, he said, you need to get over yourself. This has got nothing to do with you, but yet it has everything to do with you. And this love that I'm bringing to you is about God who loved you before you were even formed. Then we're going to give him the kicker. I want to come to the kicker. And then just say, all right, where do I sign? It's a deal to good See, if it's not that deal, let's say if something sounds too good, true, probably isn't. This is. In fact, I have even begun to explain to you how good and true this is. I don't have language enough. You have to die one day to only really see what you're letting yourself in for. So, love of God. Release from the power of God to us. But what releases the power is Read that again. <clears throat> lest. I want to put this in. I said, read that again. Lest I become drunk and intoxicated with the power and with the anointing and with faith because I've lost why? I want to end with that. Never lose sight of the why. It's going to keep us on course. So what does he say? How does faith work? For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Whenever faith manifests, is there a way that we can put on a YouTube video? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask you to see this. Whenever faith manifests, I'm looking for um, the wheelchair vertical on my YouTube channel. And you're yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever faith manifests, the motive and the motivation is not that tomorrow this will be news headlines in the news. I will have an interview with CNN. Or I will be, oh, this is the man of God of the hour with the power. Or I've had such a rough and tough upbringing and I'm so struggling with my sense of self-worth that I'm now using ministry to boost my ego. Am I speaking to you? Because I can go do ministry. I can go do that. And it's really just to get on a high. And I have no love. And you say, how is that possible? I'll show you out of scripture. And the scripture is 1 Corinthians 13. And it's sandwiched between 1 Corinthians 12, which is the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Kelly. And 1 Corinthians 14, which is tongues and interpretation and prophecy. So he ends Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, he says, Oh, desire the best gifts that you can prophesy, you can gifts of faith. Gifts of working of miracles. Gifts of healings. All of the nine gifts. No, no, no. Now the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can write this down. 
The way the power of God is released is released through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The conduit for the power of the Holy Spirit to release through human need comes through the nine gifts. And that could be a teaching for another day, but you need to just understand that. But now he says, however you need a motivation, check your heart, check your motive. And then he closes this. He says, and now I will show you a more excellent way. This is the motive. I'd like us to read it, 1 Corinthians 13. It remains the why. From beginning to end. Love for God and love for people. 13.1. The whole thing. The whole chapter. The whole sugar. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love. I am nothing. And though I bestow uh, all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Long suffers, I'm sorry, love su suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in parts, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And that's the most excellent way. Amen. Praise God. Notice what he says in verse 2. If I, no, 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 we said without faith it's impossible to please God. We said the way the power of God is released is through faith. So we're not minimizing faith. Faith is absolutely indispensable. In fact, Romans 1 verse 16 to 7 says, that, 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 that in the gospel uh, righteousness is revealed that is from faith to faith. You get into it by faith, you close by faith, and everything in between is faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Faith is not a formula, it's a lifestyle. 
But watch what he says. If I have faith to move mountains, and who of us move mountains? I met a guy from Egypt that literally they moved a mountain. You can go and Google. Go and Google. It's verified. Based on the scripture. But who of us move mountains? Who else have that kind of faith? This is what he says. Not have love. This is what he says. He doesn't say you have nothing. He doesn't say I have nothing. He doesn't say that. He says I am nothing. Why? Because love is not what I do. Love is who I am. Because God is love. Watch how he puts Love and faith in perspective. Hope comes in there because perspective is evidence of things hoped for. I can have hope without faith, but I cannot have faith without hope. Faith operates in the environment of hope. Right? It's the substance of something you hope for. So it says, now remains these three. Faith. Hope is important. After everything has wanted to have a name for myself, I want to build a ministry. I want to do this, I want that. Not to see from God's perspective. Love the way He loves. Be moved by what moves in fact. I want to close with this. Now you need to understand we're going to watch this. I'm a come from Pentecostal background. We close a sermon multiple times. (laughs) So when I say lastly, I can do that like 10, 15, 20. It's just, it's just, okay. So, thank you, Jesus. Okay, let me get that scripture. So let's go. It's going to be Matthew, I believe it's chapter 9, but I just want to verify. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, yes. And let's read through till. Let us read through um, 36 to 38. Then we're going to take a break and I want to come back to um, the second session. I want to talk about section section, the power of your testimony and how your testimony you can use as a vehicle to communicate the gospel and the power of that. So that's going to be the second session. Um, so please go ahead. Yeah. 936. Yes, please. And uh, 38. Remember now I said, faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love. Watch this and remember what we said. Compassion is love in action, love on display. Watch this. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with what? With compassion for them. They actually had an outing scheduled. 
he was going to take the day up and they're just going to have a sightseeing and I uh, thought they had a barbecue or something. But he sees, he sees the crowd. He sees, and he said, well, this is, well, this is the biggest crowd we've ever had, boys. I think we better make use of this. If that was not the talk. Watch it. Read that again, please. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. The same thing that moved him in the heavens. Before there was a man, was love. And now that word becomes flesh. And he sees the crowd and he's moved again with that same motive and motivation. Please continue. Because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the sorry, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest, into his harvest. Watch. That command is predicated on the revelation. It's built on the revelation. It flows out of the revelation. Of being moved and compassion. And you'll see a very interesting progression from the compassion, from the love. you see interesting progression. So I'm moved by compassion. I'm not moved by fame. I'm not moved by Money, I'm not moved by whatever moves people or whatever has moved me in the past was false. It's illegitimate. That is the only thing that was moved me. It's love. And love in action is compassion. In other words, I literally, compassion is, it takes love and it moves it. It mobilizes it. Compassion gives feet and action to love. You cannot be moved and not do something. That is what moved Jesus right to the cross. And it wasn't nails that kept him there. It was his love. And so it's love. Now the second half part of that is he introduces something to us. It's Jesus' prayer request. You know, we have prayer requests. Pray for this. Oh, my son, my daughter, my house, this one, my neighbor. Can you guys please go to the intercession? Jesus has a prayer request. And his prayer request is says, this is my prayer request. When you pray, Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers. Now, remember we spoke about faith, uh, I mean love, and that expression of love. Love is obedience. So right there. That's how we can show our love. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to our GGG event recording. To get involved with our growing community or to connect with us, reach out to us on our website, gggministry.com, or any of our other social media platforms. 
It's really been an honor serving you all, and I pray blessings and favor over each of you and your families. Thank you. 